0: Hey, Jesus. So here's the thing. I don't trust you.
1: What do you mean you don't trust me?
0: I mean, like, so I want to trust you, you're Jesus, but I just don't trust you.
1: I have a perfect exercise for you to participate in that's going to really help you in learning how to trust, okay?
0: Okay. All right,
1: so this is what you need to do. You need to stand right there, but you need to turn around, okay? Okay. All right, stand right there. Do you trust me?
0: No, I just said that. I don't (sighs) trust you. Okay,
1: this is all a part of the exercise. Okay, you ready? Okay. All right, so this is what you need to do. When I say, uh, when I ask, do you trust me? You respond, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Uh,
0: But even though I don't.
1: Right, we're practicing.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: all right, all right, stand right here. Okay, perfect. Do you trust me?
0: Yes, Jesus, I trust you.
1: Great. Then fall back.
0: What? Seriously? Yeah, of course. Are you going to catch me? You know, you
1: don't have to worry about that part.
0: Okay, well, that's the part I'm worried about.
1: Okay, no. Now, this is all part of this, okay? So you have to figure out. Remember, do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Okay? Okay. All right. Do you trust me?
0: Yes, Jesus, I trust you. All right,
1: then fall back.
0: Oh, okay, I did it, yeah.
1: Okay, let's try this again, all right, all right, right here. Now keep those beautiful little feet planted. No moving, okay? All right, now do you trust me?
0: Okay, Jesus, I trust you.
1: Okay, then fall back.
0: Okay, I'm going to do it.
1: Okay, great.
0: Okay, I'm really going to go. Okay, good. Okay, here I come. (gasps) <gasps> that was better. I did it. You really caught me, and I didn't think you were gonna catch me, but you caught me. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Good yeah. job.
1: Way to go. You know, you are ready for level yes. two.
0: Level two. Here we come. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Level no, no. Two. Wait, wait. wait. Oh. oh, you're right. You're you're way too close. You gotta back up. No. Yeah, you're way too close. No. Okay, ready?
1: Okay. No, no. Level two is a little bit different. Okay. Okay. Level two. You stand right here, but this time, you face me.
0: Oh, forward fall. I got this. No problem. Here we go.
1: No, wait. Stop. Wait for the signal.
0: Okay, I'll wait for the Jesus signal.
1: Right, the, the Jesus signal. Okay, here we okay. go. Okay, do you trust me?
0: Yes, I totally trust you.
1: Great. Then fall back.
0: What? Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's a good one. Yeah.
1: You know, it's awesome, especially when you do it.
0: Are you serious? I don't know if you noticed, but there's nobody back there. That
1: may be what it looks like to you.
0: What it looks like? That is what it's like.
1: Hey, you know what? It all comes down to, do you trust me?
0: I can't do it.
1: We we can do it together.
0: Yeah, but I can't.
1: Yes, you can.
0: But I won't.
1: We'd like for you to open up to Joshua 1 today. We have been walking through the Old Testament. And just to give a little review, we started in the beginning. Where God created the entire universe. And he created it perfect and it was Beautiful. And he created this universe in perfection and Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship with God. Can you imagine walking and talking face to face with the creator of the universe? What perfection. And then Adam and Eve decided they had a desire for control. Can we relate? We like to control things. And when we feel out of control, we don't feel good at all. So Adam and Eve, although we peg them as the people who ruined everything, are very similar to what we would have done. Control is what we desire. That not only broke creation... But in that moment, then things like disease entered that perfect creation. And disasters like hurricanes, that it seems like we've seen a lot of this season. And even extreme tragedies like we just saw in Las Vegas. It's a broken world with broken relationships. And God desires our relationship to be made whole again. And what we saw in the Old Testament is that he made an agreement, a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we've been going over that over the last couple of weeks. And, and then he's always had this promise that he would bring them to a promised land. And God has been faithful. He saved them from a famine by bringing them to Egypt. He saved them from slavery by taking them out of Egypt. And now they are on the doorstep of the promised land. Before we read the word today of Joshua 1, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We praise you for your faithfulness. And God, in the midst of of battles in our life, in the midst of those tall-walled cities in our life, God, that we would trust you because you are faithful. You have never let us down. You are always true to your word. And God, today I pray that the words that are spoken are your words and your words alone, Lord. And may the walls of our heart that have fought against you break down in the presence of Of your truth. Pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. "'Be strong and courageous, "'for you are the one who will lead these people "'to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors "'I would give them. "'Be strong and very courageous.' Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now I always pay attention when I hear things multiple times in a short section of scripture. And in four short verses, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. He doesn't say to do this in your own power, Joshua. Joshua, go out there and be as strong and courageous as you can. Joshua knew what was going to be in front of him. He knew how big the cities were. He knew how big the people were. And he knew it was going to be a battle. And so God encourages him in three ways. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. Joshua, be strong and courageous because you know the will of God for his people. Joshua, be strong and courageous because you know God's plan is to give you this land. You can be sure that God is faithful, so be strong and courageous by knowing God's will for your life and for those around you. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Steady this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you know my word. Know my word, Joshua. Have the Israelites know my word and walk in that truth. Be strong and courageous in the truth that I've given you. And you can defeat And do anything in my power. Now God wanted this laser focus on his word. Because he knew as soon as the Israelites walked into the promised land. They would see those big cities. They would see those big armies. And if they were not focused on trusting God and God alone. Fear would overtake them. Can you imagine walking up to a large city with a large army and you've been wandering for 45 years? You don't have what it takes to defeat them and all of a sudden, if you start thinking about yourself being in control, it's a lost cause. God knows what's about to happen and he knows that Joshua needs to realize the will of God and the word of God for his people. And the third one, verse nine, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, be strong and courageous because I am with you everywhere. We've seen this as we watch the Israelites come out of Egypt, right? God has been before them with the cloud and the pillar of fire. God was behind them, between them and the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And God was beside them, holding back the waters so they could walk through. God's presence is before and behind and beside the Israelites. And God is reminding Joshua, this is my will. These are my words, and I am always with you. Now go in this strength and in this courage. And then I pause and I wonder, how about us today? If we had to think about those three sections of our life, how would we connect with Joshua? Would we be similar to him? So I asked some questions and, and on the app this week, and I just want to throw them up for you right now. And the first question is, what percentage of the time do you know God's will for your situation in life? It's not on the screen. It, it may come, it may not, but that's the question. <laughs> what percentage of the time do you know God's will for your situation in in your life. And we had 38 total responses on the app. But I want you to think about that right now, percentage wise. Two people out of the 38 said, I know 100% of the time God's will for every situation in my life. That's awesome. Likewise, two people said, I never know. 0% of the time do I know God's will for my life. And then the numbers are in between, but uh, 33 out of the, or 23 out of the 38 said, at least 50% of the time, I know God's will for my current life situation. I wonder if that connects and relates to you. How often and what percentage of time do you believe you know God's will for your life? Sometimes I hear, I don't know. How can I know God's will for my life? How, how can I hear God? I mean, what if it's my selfish desires getting in the way instead of God's word? Like, how do I know? I want to point you to Romans 12, 1 through 2. for the situations in our life. We surrender control to him. You want to know God's will? Say, God, here, you take it. You take this situation. You take this back. You take my all, and I will follow you. I encourage you, encourage all of us, if we want to know God's will, It requires us to surrender control, which has been a battle from the beginning of time. The second question, what percent of the time, uh, or what percent of your decisions are guided by God's word? All right. So when you make choices and you have that decision made, how many times is it based on the truth of God's word? And the results came in just a little lower than the God's will question. 24 out of the 38 that responded said, at least 50% of the time, my decisions are based off of God's word. Zero people said 100% of the time are their decisions based off of God's word. So I wonder, last week we talked about, uh, Kent talked about, the Ten Commandments in the last couple weeks. And he talked about how they are the sayings of God, the promises of God for our life. And there's so many times that people say, you know what? God's word is just all rules. And it, it, you, they're so confining and constricting. And it's like you're in a cage. I say God's word is the key that unlocks the cage. God's word is the key that lets you step into the freedom of the life that he has for you. Over the last two months, we've been focusing on dwelling in God's word. We've uh, been encouraging uh, all of us to step into reading his word every day. And I hope that has been encouraging to you. But one step is reading and the next step is living. And the third question of the week is, what percentage of the time do you know that God is with you? Now this one had some great results. 26 out of the 38 people who responded said 100% of the time I know God is with me. If you take it down to 75% of the time, 32 out of 38 said, I know God is with me at least three-fourths of the time. And I'm wondering about you. How often do you know God is with you in the great times when you don't need him, right? Because you're able to handle life yourself. Is God with you then? Or how about during those really bad times when you just don't have the answers to the sorrow that's in front of you? Is is God with you then? Romans 8 tells us that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so, as we step into life, as we step into the world around us, just like the Israelites had this encouragement, God gives it to us. Know my will. Surrender to me. Know my word. Read it and live it. And know my presence. Know that I am with you always. And I want to just quickly go over the rest of the book of Joshua. Don't worry, it's only 23 chapters. So it shouldn't take too long. And I want you to watch how faithful God is to his promises. His promises to bless, but also his promises of consequence. If, if the Israelites deviated to the left or to the right. Chapter 3. The Israelites are going to cross the Jordan River. This is the only thing that's keeping them from stepping foot into the land that God had promised to them. And so God says, okay, we're going to get up and the priests are going to go first. And priests, all you need to do is step into the river and I will part it in front of you. And you can walk through. And Moses is like, okay, we could, we could step into the side of a river If you read in Joshua 3, the Jordan River is at flood stage. Now, Cedar Rapids, we have some personal experience with flood stage rivers recently. And we know what that looks like. It's not this calm, peaceful stream that you would just like to jump into. It is a raging stream that is ready to go wherever it desires with the power behind it. And God says, all you have to do is step into this raging stream. All you have to do is step in. And so the Israelites and the priests have a decision to make. Do I trust God enough to risk really my life stepping into this water? And they do. And they step in. And God is faithful in the water parts. And they all walk across. And there's a celebration they praise God. It's similar to the skit that we saw earlier, right? That first trust fall. Jeanette was like, all right, you did it. You're awesome. This is great. I can't believe it happened. Ah! The Israelites praise God because he was faithful. And then comes Jericho, which we saw earlier. A large city, tall walls. And God says, okay, guys, I have a plan. This is how we're going to defeat this large city. We're going to walk around it once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, we'll walk around it seven times. And then you're going to shout. And you're going to win. I don't think many of us would have put that as the top battle plan of defeating a large city. March around it. Blow some horns. Scream. No. But then they had to decide, this may not make sense to us, but will we trust God? Go back to the skit. When Jeanette was looking at me and I said, fall back. She's like, that's impossible. That's not going to happen. I don't see anything there. How can I trust that? How much do we trust God's word? Do we only trust it when it makes sense to us? Or do we trust God even when it seems impossible? They trusted God and they walked around the walls, and the walls came tumbling down. God was faithful. And in the midst of this, God makes it very clear that there are certain items that they are to take and put into the treasury of God, and then everything else is to be destroyed. Well, put yourself in the shoes of a group of people who's been wandering for 40 years. And you see some really nice items that God says they should go to the treasury of God. But instead, you're like, they would look really nice in my tent right now. And there are a couple of Israelites who choose to take and veer to the right of what God had commanded. Now they had destroyed everything and the Israelites as a community were excited about what was going on. And so they send out a scouting party to the next village they're going to take over. And it's, it's not as big as Jericho. So they say, you know what, we only have to send about 3,000 people there. We got this, no problem. And as they send out this group, they are soundly defeated. And Joshua realized there's a problem. There's a problem. And he cries out to God, and God says, I told you, do not go to the right or to the left of what I say. Follow my words, and it will go well with you. But if you don't, there are consequences. And Moses repented and and wept. Or Joshua, sorry. Joshua repented and wept. And the consequences were put on the person who did uh, did the sin. And then God said, okay, now it's time to go against this city. And they soundly defeated that next city and the next city and the next city. And you can continue on through the book of Joshua where they defeated one kingdom after another. And then they have their promised land. The land that God promised them throughout generations was right there and they were able to live. And then Joshua in chapter 24 calls them all back together. And I I love how the beginning of Joshua where he is encouraged by God to know God's will, to know God's word and to know God's presence. The same thing is how Joshua ends after all of this success. Joshua calls everybody back together together. And for the first 13 verses of chapter 24, he says, remember, remember God's will and plan and everything that he did from Abraham to the present time. He was faithful. Yes, he was even faithful to the consequences when we were not faithful. And I praise God for consequences because that shows me when I am not living according to God's word. And then verse 14 says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua wants them to commit. Just like God had encouraged Joshua at the beginning, know my word and do it. Commit to my word and following it. Again, in the end, Joshua is telling the Israelites, commit to God and follow him. Make a choice. Don't go back and forth Commit to God and God alone because there are going to be lots of options in this land you are in. But know there's only one God who brought you here. And only one God whose power that the people of this land ran from. And then thirdly, Joshua encourages the people by saying, you can't do it. You want to serve God? That's great. You can't do it. But God is a faithful God and will always be with you. But do not go and worship another God who has never been there for you, has never been able to give you any land, has not spoken to you. Only serve the God who has always been with you. I think this is something that we as a a church and as individual families and people need to think, where are we right now in our commitment to God? Do we remember God's will and plan? Let's review. God created this world perfect. Had a perfect relationship with us as humanity. And we broke that relationship by wanting control. And that broken relationship has been something that God has desired to fix from the beginning. And he has a plan and he has a will for all of us and all of creation to be made one with him again in perfect unity. And he had a plan to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins because he knew if we died in that broken relationship that we would be separated from him forever and he does not desire that to happen. So he sent Jesus who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross and came back to life as a payment for our disobedience. I heard it said this week, it's like if your child was walking out into the road and didn't look before they went out and there was a semi barreling down on them and you ran and you pushed them out of the way just to be impacted by the semi to save them. That's exactly what happened as we are walking through life with the full wrath of God barreling down on us, Jesus stepped in the way and took that on himself so that we could be made one with God again. And I'm wondering today what is our commitment to that? Some of you know my family. I'd like for them to come up. We're gonna we're gonna I'm going to do a little Joshua here. And my family, uh, my daughter Kara and my son Ben and my wife Jeanette and my daughter Bree. When I was 15, I made a commitment to, to God that I would follow him and that I would trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. At the age of Six and eight, my daughters on the same night said, As for me, I am going to trust Jesus as my Savior. And my son, just a few years later, at the age of seven, said, I will commit to Jesus as my Savior. My wife, at the age of six, somewhere in there, said, I will commit. And so, We stand before you knowing that every single day we need to wake up and say, as for me, as for me and my family, we believe that Jesus is our Savior. And we have to have that in front of us every day. Otherwise, it's so easy to to fall into fear of this world and to fall into complaining and arguing and thinking everything is horrible. Horrible. So, I want you to remember God's will for your life and for all of creation is that you are to be in a relationship with Him. That is His will and desire and plan for your life. And He made that possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. And today, the question is who will you serve? Church, who will you serve? Will you serve the God of your job? Will you serve the God of money? Will you serve the God of sports teams? Or will you serve the God of the universe who gave up his very son in your place, who desires an intimate relationship with you? So today, I'm going to throw a challenge out to you. Today, will you stand and say, As for me and my house, we believe that Jesus is our Savior. Would anybody be willing to stand and proclaim that in front of God and all of these people? Today, as for me and my house, Jesus is my Savior. Go ahead and say the words, As for me and my house, Jesus is my Savior. Commit to that every day. Read God's word morning and night. Do not depart from what it says because God is faithful. God loves you and cares for you. He desires this world to know Him. Let's pray. God, you are faithful. God, you have always been with us. And I pray, Lord, that as we stand and we commit to you, that as for me and my family, as for this congregation, we will lead each other into an intimate relationship with you. We will lead each other and encourage each other in your truth, and your word. And that we will experience your presence through the Holy Spirit every day. And God, may we commit to that every morning when we open our eyes and recommit to that every lunch hour when we've had a bad day and recommit to that every time around the dinner table with our family. God, you and you alone are the one who is faithful. May we trust you and Lord, it is nothing of what we do, but it is everything of what you have done and we praise you for your will, for your word and for your presence. Pray this in your heavenly name, Amen.